This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. It is opening week opening day is upon us we have several opening days we like to celebrate major league baseball opening day we have triple a opening day and then we have the rest of the minor league opening day over the course of about a week so we're going to spread it out enjoy ourselves over the next week to 10 days with all these opening days jim jonathan you guys like to rank things rank them rank our opening days in terms of which one are you most excited about wow put you on the spot here where were you? We should draft them. Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first, let me do my mock draft. I would go Major League Opening Day one, um, and then not to knock the great veterans playing in AAA, but I feel like AAA is a lot of insurance policies and not pure prospects. So I would do all the other leagues, most of whom are starting their opening day on April sixth, two, and then the AAA Opening Day on March thirty first, third. How about you, Jonathan? Is that your order? I, I think it would it would be probably that. I, I guess since this is you know the pipeline podcast, I might flip the first two and put the rest of the minor leagues opening day first because that's where the largest mass of players that we write about and cover on a daily basis will be playing. But you know, I, I'm as a baseball fan, I'm excited about major league opening day. I I will not break the tie by saying that. Those, those two are tied for first for me. So we remain yeah, tied. That's fine. Uh, so the Major League Baseball opening day is gonna, going to be uh, particularly exciting for us because two of MLB's top five prospects uh, expected to make their Major League debuts on opening day in Cardinals outfield prospect Jordan Walker and... Yankee shortstop prospect Anthony Volpe. Uh, a lot of people have been keeping their eyes on these guys over the course of spring training. Going into spring training, I think, were they both, was it a long shot, would you say, for them to to both make it? My feeling is that Walker came in with a stronger chance of making the team than Volpe. Yeah, that's fair. I, I was going to say, I think just talking to scouts who saw Walker in the fall league last year, a feeling among a lot of them was like that guy should be playing for the Cardinals on opening day. Like the, the question I think with him was more not just his talent, but they had so many outfield options. Whereas with Volpe, you know, with Oswald Peraza, who, I, who I'm not going to confuse with Cabrera during this podcast, I promise I do that a lot. But uh, Oswald Peraza was kind of considered the favorite to be the shortstop after the way he played in September and got got some got a little run in the playoffs. Um, and Volpe had played, I think, what, about 22 games in Triple A. So I think with him, it was more – I think with Volpe, he was a long shot. But I think Walker, while he wasn't a lock, was a at least a contender and, and maybe even a strong contender. All right. So we'll, we'll talk more about 
these guys and some more prospects who will be uh, starting in the big leagues on opening day. Uh, we are also going to talk to Rangers number two prospect Evan Carter. Jim had a chance to talk to him uh, when he was making the rounds uh, in spring training. And man, so much going on that uh, almost a little bit lost in the shuffle. Uh, the fact that we put out our farm system rankings last week, which hard to imagine that being lost in the shuffle, hmm. but uh, we'll we'll break down the farm system rankings for 2023. And then we will answer a question from the mailbag, which comes from, uh, this one comes from the Lizard King is my ace. Could be anybody. I mean, who doesn't have the Lizard King as their ace? Valid point. Um, All right. So Walker and Volpe, I want to know from you guys, who has the better season this year, Walker or Volpe? Well, technically you are my boss, so I'm going to say Walker. Well. That's not what we want. No, I'm going to say I'm going to say Walker anyway, and and I think both are going to have some success, but I just I, I think I think Walker is going to have some will have fewer bumps along the way. Uh, you know, obviously we'll have to wait and see what happens, but uh, I could see Volpe, you know, the Volpe struggling a little bit at times, and maybe that eats into his playing time. Um, I think both are going to be very, very good big leaders. That's why we have them in our top five after all. But I, I'm leaning I'm leaning Jordan Walker. Jim, what do you think? Yeah, it's a tough question because I feel like like recency bias. We just saw Jordan Walker play so yeah, well that's true. day after day in the fall league. And, you know, I wasn't monitoring Volpe day by day in spring training, you know, watching him perform heroics every day. You know, it's interesting. I would have thought off the top of my head, I mean, it's not a huge difference that Walker had a better contract rate than Volpe, contact rate than Volpe, but that's not the case. Volpe actually makes a little bit more contact. Huh. And he's played in AAA and he's a year older. It, it's tough. I, 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 I am leaning towards Walker also, but Volpe is maybe slightly better prepared. Like if we're trying to look at stats and age and who's played in AAA, I think they're both going to play very well. So I, I will I will go with you. I, I will give the slightest of edges to Walker, but it's it's very very close. You know, it's kind of interesting because with Volpe, you know, because he started so slowly last year, and we spent some time talking about that last year how he was, he struggled out of the gate. You know, not that we didn't then talk about how he finished with the twenty fifty season, and you know, obviously started to figure things out. But I don't know if that's like somewhat stuck in the recesses of my brain that he last year was, you know, not quite as good, even though it ended up being very, very good. And and that's sort of why I was I was leaning that way. He'll obviously be playing a premium position at the same time, which should probably figure into the equation somewhat, but not that much. It's you know, Volpe had a little bit of a weird year in terms of batting average on balls and play was was quite low. Um, and it's not that this means anything before, but he actually out homered Jordan Walker last year, which you know seems surprising just because Jordan Walker you know can crush the ball. It'll be interesting to see. What I liked about both of these was you have two teams who you know essentially anything less than winning the World Series is probably a disappointment, and they aren't playing games. They aren't you know like hey somebody's got options remaining, so we're going to keep 
you know, we're going to send, you know, these guys out and keep the guys who don't have options remaining just to add to our depth because we don't want to, you know, lose some, you know, guy who's a borderline player. And and they just didn't do any of that nonsense. It, you know, th- these guys came out, performed well in spring training. I mean, somewhat of a small sample size, but just both of them played very well from start to finish and looked very comfortable in the big league setting. And the Yankees and Cardinals decided not to mess around and play games. And, you know, we're going to put these guys in our opening day lineup. Both of these guys are expected to be big stars down the line. Uh, they're the fourth and fifth ranked prospects in all of baseball. But how much does it help in, in each of their situations that neither of them is going to be expected or, or you know, I don't think anybody's looking at these guys to like carry their offense necessarily, right? It's not like Ali Rutschman or Bobby Wood Jr. or Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, all three guys last year. And, and, you know, I mean, Julio sort of did carry that team in a sense. But, I mean, that's that's some serious uh, weight to put on a rookie and especially guys who are, you know, 20, 21 years old. But it doesn't seem like that's not really going to be the expectation in, in a couple of loaded lineups. No, I agree. I think it's a good point. I mean, you, you do have the media that. pressure in New York. You know, Volpe's hitting 200 you know, uh, you know, the, who knows what the New York Post will put on the back page at some point. But no, I, I think that does probably make it a little bit easier. These guys aren't asked to be the guy that they're building the team around, be the face of the franchise. You know, they may eventually ascend to that, but nobody's asking them to do that this year. You know, but both these teams are going to make the playoffs, even if Jordan Walker and Anthony Volpe don't perform. I, I'd be shocked. I mean, wouldn't you guys, if St. Louis or New York missed the playoffs? I would be surprised, and it wouldn't be because of anything either of them did. I mean, especially because because of those expectations. Not that there's going to be like a super short leash, but at a certain point in time, if they're really, really struggling, they're going to get sent down to to get straightened out. I, I think it is an interesting, like, what is more pressure for a player? Being the guy like Rutschman or Witt or Julio or playing shortstop in new york i mean you know that's that's not you know yes he's not being asked to carry the load but he is being asked to play the spot that Derek jeter played for 20 years you know so it's i do think that that is hard it's impossible to quantify but you know that offsets the you don't have to be the guy you know that's fair yeah he doesn't have to he doesn't have to hit 50 homers or whatever um you know, they've got plenty of other firepower and hopefully that will help shield him. But there will be a very large spotlight on both of them. I have a question for both of you guys. Are you getting to the saturation point at all with the uh, hidden camera? Yes, we, we, we don't have to. We don't have to. Yes, but it's it's still kind of it, <laughs> it's cool. I enjoyed them, but I was like, these all are the same. Like, and it's all like, well, Jason, uh, I have a tough thing to tell you. <laughs> You're going to St. Louis, you know, and like, like the GMs in the room and there's six coaches in the room and nobody's looking at you. I mean, the, the players have to know by now what's going on, right? When they get called in for that meeting. You have no joy in your heart, Jim Callis. <laughs> well, that's not true, but um, <laughs> that's not true. But no, I, that was just when I watched the videos yesterday. It's like, I feel like I've seen this video like 20 times now, like, like with 20 different players. I they, love they, them. they need to spice it up. I am all in. What, like, like they like need a, to take it to a next level where it's like, Anthony, uh, you know that cool car you bought with your bonus money? Uh, one of the players ran into it and kind of totaled it in the parking lot. I'm sorry. 
just kidding, but you're a big leaguer. So, like, like Jim, spice it up you, at least. May, make Jim the director of call-up opportunity. Or maybe it could be like one of those like gender reveals and they're just hitting on grounders, but instead of it being like blue or pink, it like explodes into the color of the team he's made. It's like Survivor. You, you, you pull out a buff and he, and he, and he like, Anthony Volpe reaches into a bag and he pulls out a Yankees uniform instead of a Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders <laughs> uniform. Um yeah. It's something we, we I, need to spice these up a little I, I bit. I guess it would the only thing that would make it for us, the viewers, that occasionally if they had the surprise video for when they send a guy down, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I know, you know, you've seen a bunch of these videos and they're pretty cool, but sorry, Grayson, you're going to triple. <laughs> now, I, I was joking with somebody today that managers are going to be now, you know, partially judged on their believability in, in these call up videos. <laughs> That's right. It's an added pressure on them now. It's going to be a new new Emmy category. So last year, opening day was very cool for us because we mentioned Witt, Julio, and then Spencer Torkelson. It was the first time going back to when we first started ranking prospects on MLB.com in 2004 that three top five prospects debuted on opening day. And so this year we'll have two. Not going to be quite the same thing. But in addition to those two guys debuting, we also have yeah. the top two prospects in the game also on opening day rosters and Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll. So four out of the top five prospects in all of baseball opening the season on opening day rosters. And I mean, it's it's crazy to think that the only one in the top five that's not going to be in the big leagues is Francisco Alvarez. And there was a shot that he could have. And then Grayson Rodriguez, we thought might as well and just found out today that doesn't look like it's going to be the case so that's six out of the top seven and then andrew painter was you know early on in spring training making people think that hey maybe he's ready to start the season in the big leagues kind of crazy to think we could have had there was a scenario there where we could have had all seven of the top prospects in baseball on opening day rosters i would venture to say that that has not happened before i, I can't i can't imagine i mean no it, i think it's exciting i think it's you know Barring anything else, six of those seven will be in the big leagues, you know, at some point, probably early on. We'll have to wait and see what happens with Andrew Painter's elbow. Uh, I think they'll probably pump the brakes quite a bit in terms of his ascension to Philadelphia, even if he, you know, doesn't need surgery, and hopefully he doesn't. But you have to assume that Alvarez and Grayson Rodriguez both will get, you know, a fair amount of time in the big leagues at some point. To, during the 2023 season. So so we're thinking Jackson Churio might be baseball's number one prospect on June 1st or so. For the uh, mid-season re-rank. Um, so when Walker debuts, he will be 20 years, 312 days old. If you look back over the history of the game and look at players who have debuted at that age or younger on opening day, these are these are the most recent players to have done so. Juan Soto in 2019, Fernando Tatis Jr. in 2019, Manny Machado in 2013, Bryce Harper in 2013, Jason Hayward in 2010, Elvis Andrews in 2009, Justin Upton in 2008, Adrian Beltre in 1999. So those are the past eight. I mean, you're you're starting to get the idea here. Um, there's the occasional Mike Caruso in 1998, but Edgar Renteria, 1997, A-Rod in 96, Benji Gill, 1993, uh, Pudge in 92, Ken Griffey in 1990, 
1989, Gary Sheffield in 89, Dwight Gooden. I mean, just a who's who of stars and Hall of Famers. Like, you don't make it to the big leagues at this age without having most likely a very bright future ahead of you. No, I mean, there's a huge correlation between the age at which you make the big leagues and what kind of player you become, you know, especially on the younger age, younger end, like you just mentioned, Jason, when you rattle all those guys off. Do you know, quick quiz, the last time, not on opening day, but the last time a Cardinal was younger who made his big league debut? I saw, I saw this. I saw the last time a twenty-year-old did it was Ankiel, but I don't know if he was younger. Yeah, Ankiel was the Ankiel was younger. Okay. I figured Jason would know the answer to this. And then I think the the last time it was a what a position player was David Green in nineteen eighty-one, I believe. There's another top one hundred prospect who's going to uh, make his debut on opening day, and that's the White Sox's Oscar Colas. Maybe not quite the excitement uh, on kind of the bigger bigger picture with Walker and, and Volpe, but uh, something to be excited about here for White Sox fans. You mean the Cuban Otani does not excite you, Jason? <laughs> what, what are you talking about? No, it's uh, it's funny, you know, so so Colos, when he was in Japan, spent three years in the minors over there and got into seven big league games. And he comes, I mean, I know it's not a direct comparison, but he comes over here, he spends a year in the minors, goes from high A to triple A, and then he makes the opening day roster for the White Sox next year. And, you know, he was... I think I think I have six Cubans on our White Sox top thirty, and I believe this will give them four in their lineup on opening day, with Mancada, um, Grandal, and I'm missing somebody. Who am I forgetting? Cuban White Sox. I mean, they always, they always had. Uh, and Abreu was Abreu, there. He's gone. Yeah. I thought. I think they. I'm I think I'm drawing a blank. I think they have another one, and or maybe I'm just imagining. Oh, Luis Robert. That's who it is. No, Luis Robert. No, no. So, so they'll have four Cubans in their uh, in their lineup. And I mean, it's. I mean, look, Abreu has been kind of man, the magnet for these guys, even though he's gone now, and and Colas is you know probably. Well, besides Luis Robert, the second best Cuban prospect they've signed and developed as a prospect, and. The thing that, that really impressed them last year as he was rising through the system is they knew look when they signed him, they knew, look, he's got big time power potential. And they knew he had big time arm strength, you know, hence the Cuban Otani nickname, although he didn't really pitch much in Japan. And, and they signed him strictly as an outfielder. But as he rose through the system, he did a better job of making adjustments, toning down his approach when he had two strikes, using the entire field. Um, preparing, game planning for hitting. Um, and that really caught the attention of a lot of people in the organization was that he wasn't just cruising on sheer talent. As the competition got difficult, he upped his game. Or as it got more difficult, he upped his game. So, you know, I, I think this was something they hoped would happen. They're a better defensive team with him in right field than Eloy Jimenez or Gavin Sheets, neither of whom is really should probably be playing the outfield on a full-time basis. Um, and like we were saying with Walker and with Volpe, they're not asking Colas to come in and, you know, play, you know, a huge role in the middle of the lineup. I think the plan is for him to bat eighth in, in the lineup, at least when he breaks in. Um, and so they'll ease him in that way. But, uh, you know, they're very, they're very, you know, they were hoping, I mean, they, they, they signed two years ago, they had similar hopes for Yoelki Suspedes. And he hasn't developed as well as as Colas has. And, you know, when they signed Colas, he was 
I guess, 23 when they signed him. So they were hoping he'd be ready in, you know, one to two years. And, and he's going to be ready on the on the short end of that, that, that time span. Yeah. And, and, you know, he doesn't get the same, you know, fanfare as the guys, you know, they were talking about who are at the top of our, our list. But he is a top 100 guy. He was, I think, number five on our international list when he signed. He got $2.7 million. So, you know, from the White Sox perspective, this is a big deal. Uh, you know, to all the points that you were making, Jim, they, you know, Cespedes hasn't developed his hope, but Colas has at least now kind of on the timetable that they they hoped. And, uh, you know, they are certainly optimistic that he's going to become, yeah, he's hitting, he'll hit eighth now, but that's not going to be where he'll be in the long term, you know, in that lineup, if if all continues to to go well, so maybe it doesn't, you know, garner as as much in terms of you know prospecty, you know, headlines and and things like that. But in their neck of the world, like this, this is what they were hoping for, and they you know they invested a good amount of money to to sign him as one of the top international players from that you know from that twenty twenty two signing period. All right, so those are the three top 100 prospects that will be making their Major League debuts on opening day on Thursday of this week. Uh, We'll be obviously keeping an eye on them as well as a whole host of other prospects who will be uh, opening the season in the big leagues. We'll have a a story up where we uh, take a snapshot of every top-ranked prospect, every team top 30 prospect who makes the opening day roster. Keep your eye out for that. We are going to take a break. When we come back, Jim had a chance to talk to Rangers number two prospect Evan Carter. We'll listen in on that coming up after this on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline here with Evan Carter. Evan, thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, Rangers outfielder. Uh, we're sitting here, it's pouring, or drizzling now. It was pouring earlier here. Yeah, and surprise Arizona. Yeah. But thanks for joining us. Uh, Evan, I know you committed when you were in high school, you committed to Duke as a sophomore. And you weren't a guy who spent a ton of time on the showcase circuit. I think you went to some events, but you didn't. It wasn't like every week I'm at another event. When you committed to Duke as a sophomore, did you expect the draft to really be a factor coming out of high school? Or were you thinking, okay, I'm going to go spend three years in Durham and we'll go from there? Yeah, for me, um, committing to school was a big – it was schools for me. I was like, wow, Duke education, that's that's what I was excited about. Um, 
the draft wasn't really on my mind, I guess, per se. So, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was school for me. I was like, I want the education and, you know, my parents were teachers and I was big into school. So that's, that was what was on my mind. Well, I mean, you would have had the best of both worlds too. I mean, it's a great school. Yeah. Um, did I read like you, you wanted to be an orthodontist? You were thinking maybe? Yeah, endodontist. Yep. Yeah, endodontist. Yep. And, um, you know, it's good program, ACC program. So, I mean, you would, would have gotten a lot of exposure. So, obviously, your draft year was not a normal draft year for anybody with the pandemic. I think you played, what, three games in high school? Gosh, Maybe. Yeah. Two or three games. Yeah, it wasn't a lot at all. <laughs> and, then, and then the season abruptly ends. At that point, did you sense there was much? I mean, did you have any, like, when, when everything shut down in March, did you think, okay, three months from now, I'm going to be heading into professional baseball? Or did you figure, hey, you know, nobody really got a chance to see me. I'm going off to Duke. Or, or did you know that the teams were on you a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that, that the fall before my senior year was uh, was a really big one for me. Um, yeah, it was a Jupiter, like, turn yeah. down there. I guess that was kind of the first thing for me that was, hey, you know, people are talking to you. You know, you, you get an agent, you get this, that, and the other. And it was, that was kind of, for me, I was like, okay, there's a chance, but we missed high school. Right. Know, so... I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest. I was just kind of, whatever happens, happens. And then when did you start to sense, I mean, obviously, the Rangers and you, I think I, I was reading somewhere that they had a, a staffer who lived near you, so he alerted Derek Tucker, the area scout, to you. But, I mean, how many teams were you in contact with even leading up to the draft? Um, two or three. I mean, it wasn't like I was, I mean, I met with area scouts from other organizations, yeah. but it wasn't like, it was really just two teams of, like, people above the area scouts, I guess, right. talking to you. So that was just the Rangers and the Royals. Um, but, yeah, there wasn't really – I mean, I didn't talk to the whole – Yeah, you weren't doing Zooms days. like everybody else was no, with 30 no, clubs. No, no, like, no, just a couple, yeah. So draft night, I mean, it had to be kind of a – well, one, on draft night, when did you find out the Rangers were going to pick you in the second round? Did you know going in or did you know once the draft started? We um we had an idea. I guess everybody's kind of got an idea. Yeah. Like, okay, this seems pretty realistic. Um, but that was all it was. Just like, hey, this seems like a realistic spot that we can go in. So you always hope, but you never know 100% until you know you hear your name. So what was it like? I mean, you know, draft night. You could draft in the second round. You know, which is a huge deal. Very exciting. And I mean, I'll confess, I was part of the broadcast. And the general reaction is, none of us knew who you were. Like, and and I think even. Maybe Dan O'Dowd had seen you play because I think his son was on the showcase circuit. And Dan, I think, basically said he needs to go to college. What is that like? I mean, you, you, one moment you're getting picked by the Rangers, and then everybody's like, we don't know who he is. Hmm. And one guy says, I mean, was that a strange kind of experience to go through? Um, I mean, it, it was. You know, it's supposed to be the happiest day of your life. And then, or not of my life. You know, I got just yeah. got married. That was yeah. the happiest day of my life. Well, but, congratulations. You know, up until that point, like, hey, this is awesome. You know, yeah. and the next thing you know, you're getting blasted on Twitter about, like, who is this person? Dumb pick, you know, whatever. Just try and make people who believe in you proud. And the ones, you know, make the Rangers proud. They believed in me. So, can't really, uh, I mean, I don't blame you all. I mean, you can't know what you don't know, you know. I mean, it's. I mean, in my defense, like I was telling you before we got a camera, in my defense, like it was a pandemic year. And like, yeah. I like to think, yeah. I mean, if the year played out, obviously you would have been seen by a lot more teams. Yeah. But uh, the funny thing is, so then flip, so on draft night, everybody's like, wow, like we're not sure who this guy is. Mm -hmm. And then you flash forward to your, your first pro season, which I know ended early because you had the back issue. But I, I, I don't even think it was a month in the season. And, and I had scouts call me and saying, Evan Carter, this guy's really, really good. Like, you know, I, I, nobody seemed to know who he was on draft night. But, yes. you know, and, and immediately it, it wasn't just athleticism. Mm -hmm. 
which I mean, you know, obviously you had tools or you don't go in the second round. Mm -hmm. But the this, this scouts kept talking about the, the approach is so advanced. He really recognizes pitch as well. He controls to strike, like for an 18 year old, mm -hmm. like it's uncanny. How do you hone that? I mean, you weren't a guy who, who faced a lot of guys probably throwing 90 miles an hour yeah. in, in Elizabethton and you weren't on the yeah. showcase circuit that much. But I mean, is that always something you've had a gift for? Or? I, I've been asked that several times and I don't have a good answer for it. I mean, I just, what, I got here and, you know, I got in the batter's box. And obviously, like you said, I'd never really seen that level of pitching before. But just for whatever reason, if it was a ball, I just kind of took it. You know, I, yeah. just, I knew it was a ball. And, you know, obviously the speed of the game and the speed of pitchers, that was definitely something to get used to. But as far as like the, you know, spitting on pitchers or whatever, taking your walks, this, that, and the other, just kind of um, just happened, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like you acclimated really quickly. I mean, and, and there's a lot of guys. I mean, shoot, I've been doing this for 30 years. A lot of guys who feel like, oh, I got to justify where I went in the draft, so I'm going to be aggressive and start trying to launch balls. And, and like I said, I mean, it was not even a month into that season where I was hearing from scouts and other organizations saying it's unbelievable, like the yeah. approach. And I appreciate it. Um, you know, and, and again, I mean, it seems like I don't know if I, it would be actually, but like, it seems like you just kind of keep things simple. Like you have a a clean swing. You aren't trying to loft balls. You aren't trying to yank balls out of the park. You, I mean, it's it, it's all stuff that. They tell you to do, but I guess it's easier said than done. You know, you hit the ball where it's pitched. Yeah. You swing at strikes. You don't yeah. swing at balls. I mean, is it just is that just something that just seems to come naturally? Like, yeah, I mean, I I try not to make anything too complicated. That just makes everything a lot harder. Um, hitting's already hard enough, you know. So I just my approach has always been I'm going to hit it hard, no matter somewhere. I don't know yeah. where it's going to go, but I'm going to hit it hard. Um, so I'm not trying to hit home runs if one happens to go out. Sweet, you know. But if I hit it hard, I'm happy with that bat, you know. And it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't, I don't want to put an expectation on myself. I just want to go out there and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of like, I guess, take care of the small things and mm -hmm. big things will take care of themselves. Yep. I mean, if you yeah. swing at strikes and hit the ball hard, yeah, good things will probably exactly. happen. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I want to be where my feet are for sure. Have you been surprised at all at how quickly you've moved? I mean, you missed, you know, bulk of the big part of your first pro year. You, you pandemic, you don't really get to make a pro debut. Then you miss the bulk or a big part of the first pro year with the back issues. And then your second year, you're in double A at age 20, you're the, the Rangers minor league player of the year. Has it surprised you at all how, how quickly things have moved? Um, I wouldn't say it surprised me just because I didn't have an expectation of where I was going to be at in the first place. I mean, I'm happy about it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm super happy to be where I'm at. Um, but I mean, I, I guess it doesn't surprise me just because I didn't have an expectation. Yeah, yet. that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, you've obviously had a lot of success. What has been the most difficult part of adjusting to pro ball? I mean, you've made a lot of this look easy, but what's been the hardest part of adjusting to pro ball, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the hardest thing for me is that, you know, you go from high school, you have success basically every single time, and then you come here and it's like, man, if you're, you know, off just a little bit one night, you're going you're gonna to get beat by somebody. And, you know, just trying to make the bad times not last as long and the good times last longer, you know, just – the mental side of things, I guess, has been the hardest thing for me. I always ask guys, I like to ask guys to kind of self-scout. Like, if you were breaking down your five tools as yeah. a player, how would you how would you describe yourself? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I just, I guess I would be pretty good at all. I, I guess, <laughs> yeah, that's I fair to yeah, say. I mean, yeah, I um, obviously I'm not a huge power guy, but, you know, I put balls in play a lot and 
you know, run defense and all that. So, but there's always room for improvement and everything, you know, so I'm always working on all of it. And you're also 22. I mean, like, and generally the guys who can hit well at age 20, the power comes a little bit later. What do you, is there anything, I mean, obviously you're young enough where you're working on all facets of your game. What do you think you need to improve the most? Um, I think, I think power is probably my biggest room for improvement right now. And I don't think that that comes with getting stronger, getting, I know a lot of people are like, oh, let's just wait till he gains weight and get yeah. bigger and get stronger. Like, I don't, I don't think that way. I think like, oh, let me get better at hitting and, you know, choose offensive counts better, like make my approach better. And then, you know, cause I can hit them all, you know, plenty far enough to hit a home run. Yeah. Just how, you know, how often can I put that swing down on a, on a baseball? So that's what I want to work on the most. Who's the best pitcher you think you've faced in pro ball? They could even be somebody in Rangers camp. Or, you, or it could be somebody you faced in big league camp or it could be somebody you faced in the minors. But who, who, who's the pitcher that stood out the most? Is there, is there a guy? Um, so far for me, um, probably Jack Ladder, honestly, because yeah. his fastball is electric. Um, he's had the best fastball I've seen so far. And you're gonna have, there was a pitcher when I first got to double-A that, you know, front hip two seen me that just, I was like, wow, bitch, you know, I'm going to sit down. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, probably Jack, yeah. Yeah, now that fastball is pretty crazy. Is, yeah. Who, I mean, you, you've been in the system now for three years, and it's a deep system. I think it's one of the deeper systems in the minors. Who are a player or two that maybe fans don't know about? You know, I mean, obviously Jack's famous. People have heard of Jack. They've, they've heard of yeah. some of the bigger name guys. But, like, who are a couple guys who, who maybe fans don't know about that you think we, sh we should be looking at? Uh, Chase Lee is probably the first one that comes off the top of my head. Absolutely nasty on the mound, man. I mean, I just... I, he, he's one of the better pitchers I've ever seen, to be honest. So he's he's probably the guy I would, that would come to mind. Yeah, that angle's tough. I mean, he's oh, probably going to be in the yeah. big leagues at some point this I year. I hope so, yeah, for sure. So, you know, last year I think you got one camp, one at-bat in big league camp. This year you got 11, but you also walked seven times. And it was interesting because, it, like I was saying before, I think a lot of times guys get in their first, like, extended exposure in big league camp, and you got a new manager, mm -hmm. might be like, okay, I'm going to be up here yeah. looking to do damage. But again – you, I mean, you swing at strikes, you don't swing at balls, and you take yeah. – I mean, is it – I mean, do you ever get to a point where you're like, ah, maybe I should turn it loose a little bit more? Or, again, I mean, it's working. But, I mean, I just, even in big league camp, I mean, you had the approach to, like, if they're not going to throw me strikes, I'll take walks. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, on base percentage, and that, that's always going to go up. Everything's going to go up when you walk, and I'm also kind of – I steal bases, so if I walk, it might turn into a double, double you know, yeah. so – I'm under that impression of like, I'm not going to try and force things to happen. You know, they want to lock me cool. Like I'm going to take that. Um, but also, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword. You can't get too complacent and let something right down the middle go by you without putting a swing on it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're 20 now, you know, you played in, you've got a little bit of time in double A, you played in big league camp that went well. I mean, you get to the point where, I mean, it's not necessarily going to be tomorrow, but you mm -hmm. can kind of see the big leagues aren't that far away at this yeah. point. Like how, how, how hard is that to manage? I mean, is that something you're, you're cognizant of? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely aware of it. Um, just getting around the older guys and the coaches, it feels closer every day. And um, I don't want to change anything, though. I just want to keep doing the same thing. And I say it all the time, baseball is baseball. Just the rules don't change. Just the players get better as you go up. And I have to get better, too. So just keep working and, you know, keep your head down and keep on moving. I mean, when you're a young guy in camp, I mean, how much do you – pick the brains of, of the veterans and how much do you try to like, oh, I don't want to be asking too many questions. I mean, what's that like? Yeah, I mean, you know, 
I, I don't feel like there's anybody on the team that I can't ask questions. So, you know, talking to people has been great, but watching is just as valuable. So, I mean, sometimes I wouldn't even hit in the cage, just go in there and watch people's routines. So yeah. it's, it's really cool just to be around that. Yeah. Well, thanks. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to watching you play again some more this yeah. season. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much to Evan Carter for joining us. And uh, Jim, I know, you know, you and Jonathan and Sam go around, hit each camp. You interview uh, a player uh, from each organization and you guys often come back raving about, you know, how much you enjoyed an interview. And I think this was one of those. Yeah, it was. I, I really enjoyed talking to Evan. Yeah, there were two things that struck me. One, it was kind of funny. We were talking about his uh, his draft night experience which is, you know, very cool. It gets drafted in the second round. And then the reaction of everybody on MLB Network is, we don't know who this guy is. Like, and which was my reaction. I, I don't usually get stumped in the second round. And so anyway, he was just talking about that. And he started going, you know, it's supposed to be the best night of your life. And he said, and he went on a little bit. And he's like, wait a minute. I got married in December. That was the best night of my life. This was the second best night of my life. So that just made me chuckle. It, it, was, it was very endearing. And I thought that was funny. But the other thing that struck me from talking to him is, from day one in pro ball, even though nobody like he didn't get a lot of exposure as a senior because of the pandemic and he wasn't a big showcase guy, like like within a week of him being in pro ball, I had scouts telling me this guy's approach is unbelievable. I cannot believe how good this guy's approach is. And, and this wasn't a guy who wanted to play a bunch of top competition either. You know, Elizabeth in Tennessee doesn't have a bunch of guys throwing 94, you know, and making you work. And um, I was asking about him and. I think he just has this skill, like, like you ask him about it and he's like, well, if they don't throw me a strike, I don't swing at it. Like, it's just, it's, it, it, he almost makes it sound like too simple and easy, but I, I think hitting is like that for him. Like, I think he just has a great eye. Like he walked something absurd. I forget what it was like seven times in 19 appearances in big league camp. And one of the Rangers guys told me he got called out twice on called third strikes that were off the plate, you know, according to TrackMan. And they call him full count Carter just because he 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 works counts so well. But I, I had a lot of fun talking to him and a greater appreciation for his approach. And um, I, I think he's going to be a star. I, I just think this guy has unbelievable vision at the plate and can just determine balls from strikes, I, I guess, as well as anybody. So very much look forward to seeing where he goes from here. Full count Carter. That's a solid thing, I dig it. FCC. That's good. Uh, okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to dig into our 2023 farm system rankings and answer a question from the mailbag that's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jason Ratliff, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo. Time to talk farm system rankings. This is something that uh, is one of our more popular pieces of content over the course of the year. Uh, We rank farm systems going into the season, and then we re-rank them at mid-season, post-draft, once teams get an influx of new players into their system. And we've been ranking uh, farm systems on MLB.com since 2015. Back then, we just uh, ranked the top 10. Did that for uh, about five years. Expanded it to 15 in 2019, and then expanded it to the full 30 in 2020. I've been doing so since. And Jim, I know your favorite thing to say about ranking all 30 farm systems is what? Is that one team thinks we got them just right, and the other 29 feel like we've ranked them too low. Yeah. So uh, the one team that that figures we got it right this year is the same team that figures we've gotten it right four times in a row now. That's the mm-hmm. Orioles. Uh, they are uh, the number one farm system in baseball for our fourth straight ranking, which goes back to 2021, the midseason rankings. And even before that, they were number five. But, uh, man, they just they just keep churning out elite prospects obviously Adley Rutschman in the big leagues now Grayson Rodriguez we kind of expected to see him up last year thought we might see him at the beginning of this year not going to be on the opening day roster but expect to see him soon Gunnar Henderson ended up I mean he exploded onto the scene last year and then they get top pick Jackson Holiday into the system Heston Kerstad has come around when we didn't really know what to expect him after uh, from him after not seeing him from a while for a while how how good is this farm system like I know, you know, we didn't plan, I didn't tip you off that I was going to ask you this, but how good is this farm system compared to like some of the best ones that that you've seen over the years? Hmm. It's pretty good. I'd, I'd say it ranks up there. I mean, you, you maybe know, Joey not Ar- enough pitching depth to, to I say mean, it's... Yeah, more. but I mean, you're, you're looking at a farm system, and we're not even counting Adley Rutschman at this point, but you're looking at a farm system that has the number one prospect in baseball Another guy who could be the number one prospect in baseball in Jackson Holiday, a guy who's right there in the discussion. I guess right now we'd call him the best healthy pitching prospect in baseball, Grayson Rodriguez, and a ton of depth behind him. I mean, to have that Henderson Rodriguez Holiday, to have three of the top 12 prospects in baseball, that's very, I mean, again, we haven't done the research, but that does not happen too often where you have three of the top 12 prospects in baseball. Um, so, uh, you know, and there's depth behind them as well. Yeah. I mean, if you were doing in a, per, you know, perfect world or how could the Orioles farm system be better? Yeah. Yeah. You might have more pitching. I mean, you, you go from Grayson Rodriguez to DL Hall, who's a top 100 guy in my mind. I, I still think he's a reliever. Might be. And then you go down to, you know, Cade Povich, who's, you know, a finesse lefty at 13 on their list. And Seth Johnson has got an interesting arm, but coming back from Tommy John at 16 and so on. So, yeah, if you were to quibble and you would want it to be a better farm system, yeah, you could have some more pitching depth. But I I don't care what positions they are. If you, I'll take three of the top 12 positions and 12 prospects in baseball, no matter the position. And if you give that to me, I'm going to have the foundation for a really good team just with that right there. And they have plenty of depth behind it. Yeah, I, I think that's what sets them apart, you know, without looking at it historically, is the combination of that high-end elite-level talent and and the depth that's come in behind it that's allowed them to sustain it. 
you know, because it, it, you could have a system that has, you know, Henderson, Rodriguez, and then you have Holiday. Maybe they'd have the one guy, you know, they, drafting high. They, they should have some elite level prospects if they're doing it right. But I think another system, like when they, if Gunnar Henderson's going to graduate off soon, and we'll assume that Grayson Rodriguez will graduate off at some point this year, uh, they're still going to be a really, really good farm system. They've managed to find some really good talent, not just with their first round picks. Um, you know, guys like Jordan Westberg and, and, and Joey Ortiz, uh, you know, c- come to mind there. And, you know, remember this was an organization that not that long ago uh, under a previous regime was not even quiet in international in the international market, but non-existent. So they've managed to build that up in a short period of time. Now, those guys haven't impacted you know the top 100 yet but they have some some young players that they've signed out of latin america who could take a step forward this year that no one is really talking about right now and could help them kind of prolong this run while they continue to get better at the big league level yeah i mean we've we've talked ad nauseum you know about the success of these organizations after they are not necessarily the number one ranked farm system in baseball, but after being a top farm system, having a top farm system in baseball, uh, just there's example after example after example. It, it's pretty rare when a team has a strong farm system for a, a year or two or, or more and then does not go on to, to some almost immediate success. With the Orioles, when do you guys, when do you expect this to happen? I mean, I don't think they're projected to by many to to see that sort of success this year. Are we a year away, two years away? I'll say a year away, although I, with a caveat. I, I do think in general, when we talk about these kinds of farm systems, I think they kind of surge into contention a year earlier than expected. And, and the Orioles kind of did that last year. And then they tend to take a step back and then you know, the year after that, they get going. The one question the Orioles are still going to have to answer is, is pitching. I mean, their lineup of the, of the very near future looks very formidable, but their rotation right now, like they don't spend much on payroll. They, 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 you think you would think they'd have some opening to spend more on payroll and they need to go out and find some pitching because I, I will go out on a limb and say that a rotation of, Kyle Gibson, Dean Kramer, Cole Irvin, Kyle Bradish, and Tyler Wells is probably not going to take you to the promised land. And so they're going to have to find, like Grayson Rodriguez is going to be a nice start, but they're going to have to find a couple other, you know, guys who can pitch in the front half of a rotation to take that next step and, and be a, a formidable contender year in and year out. Speaking of formidable contenders year in and year out, uh, number two on our farm system rankings list, no uh, stranger to. Uh, that sort of placement up toward the top, the Dodgers, uh, followed by the D-backs, Guardians, and Reds. We we don't we don't have to have Jim say his his thing about the Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> you, don't, no. you don't have it recorded now. Like, They're really good. We need it on a sound, soundboard. They're um, very very good at developing and winning. Move on. <laughs> now, the the Guardians and the Reds. Uh, so we we were talking a little before we started here, and you know. Teams don't really make. There's not a lot of movement between the midseason 
uh, farm system rankings and then the subsequent years preseason rankings because not there's just not that much happens you know unless there are some really big trades that affect uh, farm systems one way or the other. But the Guardians and the Reds made uh, pretty substantial jumps from this time last year. Yeah, I, you know the the Guardians went from twelve, and now they're at four, and the and the Reds were at uh, fifteen, and and now are at five. And you know, for slightly different reasons. You know, with the Reds, a lot of it has to do with the trades that they made uh, that brought in you know both the Luis Castillo trade, which brought in Noel V. Marte and Edwin Arroyo at the top. Uh, and then even the Tyler Molly trade with uh, with the Twins that brought in some some depth, uh, so kind of a combination of high end talent and and sort of adding to the depth of the system helped them jump up. Uh, you know the kind of um, breaking out of Ellie De La Cruz over the last year and a half to give them you know, one of the most exciting prospects in baseball doesn't hurt. You know they they tend to you know draft guys who make it to the big leagues. A combination of that and when. Cleveland, Jim, if you want to sort of wax on them a little bit uh, since they're your system, but obviously this is a team that's known for for developing homegrown talent. Yeah, with the Guardians, I mean, we've talked about it for a couple of years. They had a, a wave of young talent, and as that talent gets closer to the big leagues and continues to perform, the, the, their farm system rankings have improved as well. I mean, you know, just in the last year, you know, Daniel Espino, Gavin Williams, George Valera, Bo Naylor, Tanner Bybee, Brian Rocchio, Logan Allen, Gabriel Arias, Will Brennan, Cody Morris, all those guys are pretty much on the verge of being big league ready. You can even throw Joey Cantillo and John Kenzie Noel in there too. And I don't know how many guys I just rattled off. It felt like a dozen. But, you know, we're, we're, these guys who, this group, especially of, of young hitters that they signed, a lot of them internationally who were there 16, 17 years old. And I think even going back to the pandemic, we were talking about how the pandemic may have delayed kind of their system, taking that big leap forward because their guys didn't get a year to kind of grow and develop and move forward. But we're just seeing these guys are not really, they're holding on to all their, they're holding on to all their luster as they rise through the minors. And now as they continue to stand out as prospects are now on the double A and triple A level, uh, the guardians have, have risen. It wasn't, they're, they're kind of the exception rule. They didn't really add anybody. They didn't make any trades where they were, going out and, you know, trading veterans for prospects. I mean, they were winning the AL Central last year and they didn't have a, you know, unbelievably deep draft. I mean, we like Chase DeLotter who's hurt right now, um, you know, but they had, you know, just guys continued to get better and progress. And, and you know, now they have one of the top farm systems in baseball. Yeah. And, it's, you know, just to throw quickly, we're not the only ones that that think that with, with the Guardians. When we did that executive poll, um, they – got voted both as having you know, one of the best farm systems, uh, but also farm system that develops pitching the best and the team that hoards prospects the most, um, which uh, people in their front office loved. The, they loved to, you know, and, and I didn't take it as a, as a negative assessment by other teams. It was just more that, you know, they hold on to their prospects and in that market, they kind of have to, but uh, the result is a, a very, very strong farm system and they, have a tendency to be able to find players and turn them into really, really good big leaguers. All right. I wanted to have you guys highlight a couple or few more systems that have made significant uh, improvements or significant jumps in the rankings uh, over the past year, but also kind of with an eye on who you expect to keep trending in that direction among them. I know the Nationals, 
Rockies and Brewers are among the teams, in addition to the Reds, that jumped at least 10 spots from the 2022 preseason ranking to the 2023 preseason rankings. Any one of those systems in particular that you feel like we'll be seeing continue to rise over maybe this time next year, we'll see them in the top five to 10. Can I go off the board? (laughs) Yeah, you can go off. You can go off the board. Sure. I'm going to go with the Cubs, honestly. Um, The Cubs have gone from 22 going into 2021 to 18 last year to 12 this year. And I don't think they're going to graduate too many guys this year. They're going to lose Hayden Wisniewski, but you know, last year, they added Kate Horton. You guys may have heard of him, and I may know I like him a little bit. Kate Horton and Jackson Ferris via the draft. They made trades for Hayden Wesneski and Ben Brown. They had guys like Matt Mervis, who were already in the system, who got better. Um, they, they're killing it internationally as well. They're doing really nice work on the international front. And I think it's a case where right now they only have three top 100 prospects. I could easily see them having five or six a year from now. And I think the reason they rank 12th and not higher now is they only have the three guys on the top 100. I believe most of the teams we have ahead of them have four or five, you know, some cases, six or seven prospects. But I do think in terms of the quality of prospects on the upper half of a top 30, the Cubs have one of the deeper systems, like, like their top 15, all 15 of those guys are pretty, pretty solid prospects. So I, I think the Cubs are a team that's, trending upward and will continue to trend on upward. And I could see them ranking in the top five a year from now. I think of that group, I would probably pick the Rockies, but there's, I think there's a lot of, uh, variability, variability with them, uh, just in terms of it could go in either direction. Cause I think there are some serious question marks with some of the players, you know, in the system, but if things continue to move in the direction that they're heading in, I think they have a chance to to be a very solid farm system. I don't know if they'll ever jump to the the very top. They still haven't shown an ability to to develop pitching particularly well, uh, and even you know their their top thirty now is very hitter heavy. Um, you know they're going to lose Ezekiel Tovar. He'll graduate off the list. You know, assuming that he performs well. Um, but you know the questions are thing you know like Zach Veen is their number one prospect. He's talented, but he hasn't really put it all together yet. He'll be back in Double A this year. He could he could take off. Drew Romo struggled the end of last year uh, offensively. Um, you know if, if he turns the corner, he could be one of the better you know best catching prospects all around. And then you know the sort of in that five to fifteen range are a bunch of guys who are like, boy, if it if it clicks. They could have a few more top 100 candidate guys. They got some guys who can really hit and get there. And even a couple of pitchers, you know, Gabriel Hughes and Jaden Hill. Uh, Hughes was their first round pick this last year. I think he's going to be very solid, although, you know, not spectacular. And and, uh, and, and Jaden Hill's coming off a of Tommy John surgery, but the stuff has been really exciting. So it, it, I'm on the sort of fence with them, uh, but they have the chance that if things kind of start firing this year, then they could continue to float upwards. All right. Those uh, complete farm system rankings you can easily find on MLB.com slash pipeline. Go check those out. Uh, let's wrap up by answering a question from the mailbag, which comes from the Lizard King is my ace Twitter handle at 
Miami underscore or underscore nothing. Miami or nothing. If Jack Caglione was in this draft class and you were the GM with the first overall pick, would you select him over Cruz or Dolander? In a word, no. In a word. I would not. That's not a word. No, I said no. And no, then okay. I then I expanded. Four words. Uh so I mean we should put these... this in context, Jonathan. You Jack Caglione is in your your neck of the draft, sure. as I like to so, say. Yes. Put him in context for everybody first. So he was uh you know a, a, an intriguing twenty twenty one prospect, kind of a, a pop up guy who got hurt and then needed Tommy John surgery. So he kind of really wasn't a guy who was considered for the twenty twenty one draft, went to Plant High School, the same high school as Kyle Tucker, his brother Preston, Wade Boggs, others. Um, went on to Florida, hit last year, and this year is playing both ways and playing extremely well. So I can understand where the question has come from because he's hit 17 homers in 26 games. Jimmy said he's leading the nation in home runs at this point. He is. He's leading the nation uh, in home runs, correct? Yeah, I mean, he's slugging 970. He's hitting 400. He's also made six starts, and he's striking out 11 per nine. His fastball has been as high as 98-99. He's mostly been fastball slider. Uh, The strike throwing hasn't been great, but considering that this is his first time on the mound um, post-Tummy John, and was a guy, if I recall, hadn't pitched a whole heck of a lot in high school, it's part of the reason why it was a bit of a, a pop-up, but you know, a lefty with that kind of stuff uh, is really, uh, really interesting. Um, so there's your context. He is very, very interesting. However, I, I think Dylan Cruz is a, is a really special player. Uh, I know Chase Dollander has been a little bit up and down so far this year, uh, but there's there's a lot more track record. So I think that um, there is chance that he could be a top first round kind of guy next year but i'm not ready to put him ahead of either of those two guys yet yeah i mean i think he's a first round talent for next year but he he he's might be more of a first baseman left field type you know left field might be a little bit of a stretch you know whereas dylan cruz has got a chance to play center field i mean <laughs> dylan cruz jonathan I, I think when i was in spring training i marveled a week ago i was like wow i didn't realize dylan cruz was hitting 508 you guys want to care to venture what Dylan Cruz is hitting now? It's hard to maintain a 508 average. What do you think his average is now a week later? Hmm, I think you're fooling us. I'm going to say 519. 531. So, like, I don't know. Would he go, like, 15 for 18 last week or something? But he, he's hitting 531 this year. So I, I think at the draft for today, Cruz would go one. I think, you know, probably the next guy. I don't even think Jack Caglione would be the top. Gators hitter drafted because I think Wyatt Langford definitely would be. Yes. I think Wyatt Langford and Paul Skeens would be the two and three or three and two picks in some order. Um, but yeah, great year for Jack Caglione. But <laughs> Dylan Cruz, every time I look at his, his batting average, it goes up 30 points. So I don't know. Next week he'll be hitting like 557 or something. He's, he's walked 26 times and struck out 12. He's almost more doubles than strikeouts this year. Like, like Dylan Cruz's year is ridiculous. There is your answer, Miami or nothing. Thanks for that question. And thanks to Evan Carter for joining us on the show today. And thanks to all of you for listening. That's going to do it for this week's MLB Pipeline Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. 
If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week.